Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, verses 1 to 23. And I, I know I spoke on this uh, particular topic maybe six months ago or something, but um, I, I, anyhow, I wanted to do it again, have kind of a different little slant on it, um, and hopefully it will come across the way that I have it in my head. So, Matthew 13, 1 to 23. And this is a very unique parable, a very unique story that Jesus is telling us. Now, I'm going to be reading it from the Message Bible, and I'm going to kind of interject little bits as we go through. Uh, about, this, about the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. So, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, all right? And in no time all, at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation telling stories. What do you make of this? And this is the story that he tells. A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some, some of it fell on the road, and birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel, and it sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on the good earth, and it produced a harvest beyond the wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Are you really listening? Okay, then verse 10. Disciples, then the story, he's off to Sea of Galilee and he's now with the disciples. Disciples came up to him and asked, why do you tell stories? Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. And this is the challenge. We find in a story that you know how it works. And this is, I think, uh, maybe one of the keys to this, this particular scripture, is that you know how it works. And you say, well, how do I know that I know how it works? Well, let's go on. Um, you've been given insight. Where does the insight come from? The insight comes from a desire to serve God. All right. Not everyone has this gift. Not everyone has this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Those who were just kind of sitting up in the, you know, listening and watching and kind of waiting, and they really didn't have, well, many people were following Jesus, you know, for the miracles that he did, and many, they followed him for, you know, the, the, the different acts, maybe the, the feeding of the 5,000, and, you know, different things he, he had done for them, they had heard about him. So they came along just to see what he was going to do next. But the disciples, Jesus says to them, you have a different perspective, um, the insight, you've been given an insight. Okay, verse, we'll go on. Whenever someone ha has a ready heart for this, the insight and understanding flow freely. Another qualifying statement. You know how it works, and you have a ready heart for this. A ready heart for this. You have an insight. Now, he's going to give us an explanation of what this ready heart looks like, but we're not there yet. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity, it soon disappears. So if there's no readiness in your heart, it kind of goes away. See, this is, this, you think about what happens with the scriptures, and we think about what happens to the word of God. The word of God is something that is spread into your life. Everyone. 
You see, at the end time, and many people feel that we are in the end times. Now, I'm not making a prediction that Jesus is going to come at a certain day and hour this, you know, in, in, in the near future. But I am telling you what the scripture says, that we are approaching the end times. We are approaching the time and we are all going to stand before God. People who deny God, people who are uh, against God, Christians alike, we're all going to stand before God and give account of our life to Christ. And what is our account going to be of? What we have done with the word, the seed. And you see, there are some of us who will receive the word and there will be insight. And then there are those who will receive the word and what, what happens, there will be no, there are no, there's no readiness. Well, I don't really need that. I'm really not very much in tune to that, that spiritual stuff or that Christian stuff. Well, it's soon, the, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. And we see this outlined in the types of soils in just a minute. That is why I tell you stories, Jesus said. I tell you stories to help you understand spiritual truths. It's hard for us to understand spiritual truths. Jesus gives us parables so that we can see things in a, <clears throat> in, a <clears throat> in a physical reality and then make the transition to a spiritual reality. So he gives us a physical understanding in which we can understand it. Oh yeah, I understand about farming. I understand about planting seed. Well, let me take that understanding and make an application to a spiritual process, a spiritual thing. That is why I tell you stories, to create what? A readiness. I want to create, Jesus is saying, I am creating a readiness in your life by telling you stories, taking something that is unknown and taking it to a place that you will know and you will understand, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. God is nudging us. Go ahead and nudge somebody. <laughs> Now, you weren't supposed to push them. You were, no, I say, <laughs> knock them off the seat. Yeah. But a nudge, okay? A nudge is like, oh, okay, you, did, you know, did you get that? Did you feel that? Did you, you know, he's talking to you, you know? And you get to nudge them back. No, he's talking to you. <laughs> Never mind. All right, so we are nudged towards a receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. <clears throat> In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen. Till they're, they listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated over again. And you have ears to hear, but you don't hear your eyes, but you don't see people who are blockheads. That's in there. I love that part. You are blockheads. You stick, they stick their fingers in their ears so that they won't have to listen. I don't want to, you know, I didn't hear what you had to say, you know, all that. No, 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 mm -hmm. Yeah. I bet she's seen that before in school. <laughs> what are some of the ways that people have never listened to you? <laughs> huh? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> what? What'd you say? How have people not listened to you? Well, just think about God. How have people not listened to him? But you know what? We would go back to that song we sang about grace. He doesn't look at your blockheadness. So they screw their eyes shut. <laughs> so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. 
My goodness, there was a, did you catch that? And let me heal them. God is saying he wants to make a difference in our life, but there are so many ways that we shut our eyes, close our ears, and not listen to what God wants to do. And what is God's purpose? God's purpose is not about finding fault. God's purpose is about healing our lives. Healing our hurts, healing our wounds, healing our soul, healing us from the inside out. All right. But you have God-blessed eyes. Whoa, he's telling the disciples, you've got God-blessed eyes. You have God-blessed eyes. What do you think that means? That we're able to see things differently. Do you ever, do you, ever you know, if I, all you have to do is ask Rhonda. She can send me into a room to look for something. I have the worst vision. Because I can't see a thing. I go in there and look right at it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't, well, I can't find it. She walks in and picks it up. Okay. Anybody have that problem? I have that problem. I can't find a thing, you know? People ask me to go get something. It's like, oh, please don't ask me to go get it because I'll never find it because I can't see it even if it's sitting there. Because for whatever reason, I don't have that type of <clears throat> ability. So, uh, <laughs> but some people are that way spiritually. But God is saying that's not so with you. He's telling his disciples, you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see, and God-blessed ears. Ooh. And God-blessed ears that you're able to hear certain truths. Do you ever understand, you know, you know, sometimes I look at, you know, pastors and things that are on, you know, on television or go sit in, you know, meetings and things, and you hear these pastors speak about truths, and it's like, wow, where did they ever pick that up at? Where did they ever hear that? You know, what, what you know, sometimes it's just through study or picking things up, and it's like, wow, but you see, they have God-blessed eyes and God-blessed ears, and, and, and each of us are the same way, that God has a way of taking things and making them specific to our lives. God has blessed your ability to see. I see things differently now than I did. I hear things differently than I did. Why? Because God has touched my eyes and my ears. Okay, let's go on. Verse 18 and 19. Study this story of the farmer planting seeds. So now he's coming to the disciples and telling them in this conversation, I want you to study something. I want you to study the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, and so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. Now, we have a sower, and we have seed. Now, we know what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. And the sower is the person spreading the word. In this case, we have Jesus is the one using himself as the one presenting the analogy. In our analogy today, I am the sower, and the seed is the word of God, and you are the recipients. Okay? So, but also, it also I also am a uh, recipient because the Holy Spirit has to speak to my life, hopefully that I am paying attention to what he is helping me to say, and saying it in a way that will touch your life. 
So God is a way of making us both the sower and the seed at the same time. But in this case, we'll just say, I'm the sower and the seed is the word of God, which we are reading here. And what do we have? We have the evil one coming along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. Now, where is the word of God sown? It's sown into the hearts of people. Now, the heart of people can be one of four. One is a road. <laughs> Anybody ever scatter, you know, scattering seed? You know, in our day, um, I, I was thinking about going to the farm show and looking at, you know, I like to go and look at big machinery and stuff. Not that I'll ever be driving in any of it anymore. But anyhow, <clears throat> my, my brother he lives in the area over there in Indiana, uh, the one farm next to them bought a $100,000 corn planter. You say, a $100,000 corn planter. Yep. And it is a very large corn planter. But the unique thing about this corn planter is it comes with a computer. <laughs> and the computer has a GPS system. And the GPS system, they can put it in the field and know the, you know, the, the circumference of the field. And they, they put that all in there. And then they kind of get it set. And the, the computer, the GPS system, will take it across to the end of the field, stop it. And the, and the guy, the, only the driver has to turn it around and head it back. Once he gets it set and headed back, it will do a half an inch difference in an entire mile. So, and then you go back and forth like that. Then they hook up that computer at the time of harvest. And it will, it will tell them how much of the corn grew and how great the crop was in different areas of the field. And then the next year, it will apply in the areas of the field that there were less of a crop, it will apply more nutrients, more fertilizers to that area to make it as productive as the rest of the area. So now you know why they have a $100,000 corn planter. Then, if you go out west in these great, big, huge fields, you know, whenever you, whenever you uh, are harvesting grain, you, you go down the road, and you always make sure that, like, at the far end of the, where, it's, you know, where it's out, you don't want to miss any grain. So you generally leave about a foot out there or so, so that you are able to, you know, you don't want to leave grain in the field. So you leave about a foot. Well, in our farming around here, that doesn't make much of a difference. But out in those wheat crops, and you have, you know, you have 10, 15 miles of fields, that foot mounts to a lot of gasoline and diesel fuel. So a computer will put you within a couple inches of that, and so you save miles and fuel over the miles. Wow. Harvesting, planting. What comes and goes in that, in that harvest? So, in this case, we have the seed which is sown and is sown on the road. Well, the road is a very hard surface. The second, the seed is cast in gravel. So we have the road and we have gravel. Now, the road is very easy for seed to be plucked up. You know, it's just land, landing on the hard surface. It can't grow and the birds come, pick up the seed. Evil, evil one comes and... Plucks it, plucks it right out of your plucks it right out of the heart because the heart is not receptive. All right, the seed cast in the gravel. This person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, 
but there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulties arrive, there's nothing to show for it. So the gravel is excitement that is short-lived. All right? What's next? The seed cast in the weeds. Oh, weeds. Now, if you're thinking, well, why is this guy so... Um, not, not so good in his planting. Well, in the olden days, you would break up the soil, but you would be, you would be casting, broadcasting. And you would broadcast the seed, and the seed, you can't go along and drop it into the ground. You're, you're broadcasting it. And the broadcasting, it would be carried over onto the road, it would be carried into the weeds, but you're sowing it, and, and you're just broadcasting it out there, and it would go to different places. So this is a very common uh, a common analogy or understanding whenever Jesus is speaking here. And the weeds is the person who hears of the kingdom, uh, kingdom's good news, but the weeds of worry. Oh. The weeds of worry and what else? Illusions. Hmm. I may well say it, disillusions. <laughs> illusions. Now, we'll just say Illusions. Worry and illusions. I'd say that's more of a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation of what this is all supposed to be. These illusions um, about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what he has heard. Oh, wanting. Illusions and wanting. In a little bit, we're going to talk about what is the benefit of the seed sown. The benefit of the seed sown is that you will reap a harvest a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. The illusion is that I'm just going to sow a bunch of seed and I'm going to make millions. You know, I'm going to do this and God is, God is going to do... And there's an illusion about this, a misinterpretation about what this seed is. And that's the illusions. And then we go on. The seed cast in the weeds of the person who hears. The seed cast on the good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest imagination. So there's a good ground. And this is what we all want to be, is a good ground. We all want to be good ground. Amen? Uh-huh. Okay, amen? So how many want to be good ground? All right. The rest of you are just hard-hearted people. No. <laughs> need broken up and followed and all that stuff. So, we have the sower, which is, in this case, it's me, the seed, which is the word of God, and this, the word of God is sown into the hearts, you, you, you know, you and I, because I have to listen to what I have to say. Uh, so there is the path, which is the road, the seed that is snatched away quickly. There is the rocky place, or the gravel, where we hear the word and we respond, but yet it is short-lived, it doesn't really take root. The other is the thorns or the weeds, where the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, and then we have the good ground. And we know that, what is Jesus then speaking of? Those who speak the word are the farmers. So Jesus is trying to accompany something here. What is Jesus trying to tell us? What is Jesus trying to tell us? What is he really... Now, it's more, than just, it's more than just planting seed. 
and getting a harvest. Jesus is, Jesus is the word of God, made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is wanting not to make an application to what we are doing with our hands and what we are doing with our mouths and what we are doing with our feet. These are all important. But Jesus wants to, to, Jesus wants to tell us something about what happens in the heart of a person, what happens in the soul of a person, what happens in the life of a person. You see, whenever we talk about forgiveness, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What that is, is the word of God sown into our lives. How do we respond? Is my heart hard? Well, you know, I really don't need that religion stuff. The birds come take it away. Oh, wow, I'm going, to get, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and everything will be wonderful. Excited, but it is short-lived because life isn't as wonderful as we thought it would. And then the weeds. Oh, wow, yes, Jesus is going to come into my life and, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to be different and I'm going to, make it, I'm going to give, put money in the offering and God is going to make me rich. And that doesn't happen either, the weeds. And then there's the good ground. The good ground is, wow, grace has called my name. I'm not worthy of knowing Jesus. I'm not worthy to be a child of the king. But he looks beyond my faults and he sees my needs. Jesus comes into my life and he forgives me. And I, I'm a new person. And I'm growing this person. I'm growing this life by the word of God and by the spirit of God. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. You see, this is the good ground. This is the seed sown by Christ into our lives. What about faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So, I need more faith. God, help me in my faith. So what do I need to do? I need to pray, and I need to read the scriptures. What I am doing is I'm taking that into my life, and it's not just something that is laying on the surface of my life. It's not, I'm trying to be a Christian, but it's not working. Well, it never will work. Christ is the only way we can become a Christian. I'm trying to live the Christian life, but I fail. I can't live the Christian life. God in me helps me to live the Christian life. You see, this is the good ground. It's not an illusion that God has changed us from the inside out and that he is doing work in us. He is doing a work in us that changes us. Where's courage? Acts 27, 22, Paul is saying, keep your courage no one will be lost, only the ship. And here is an experience that Paul is going through. He's in, you know, <clears throat> he's in a ship and it's going to be, you know, it's a disaster and the ship is going to sink. But Paul says, take courage. You see, whenever we face the difficulties of life and we, and we feel like, how can I face this? God in me gives me the courage. You see, this is the word of God sown into our lives week after week. Day after day, as we read the scriptures and as we pray, that these, this, this word is sown into our life, and the good ground takes it and plants it. And what happens whenever the ground is planted 
and it's good ground, it bears a harvest. Hmm. And the harvest is something that grows in our lives. And the fruit of righteousness and the fruit of God grows in this good ground. So you see, every time we pray, every time we read the scriptures, every time we come to church, every time we're involved with other Christians and working with them, we find that we are receiving seed into our lives. And that seed is, is, is to be in the good ground of our life. And it, and it continues to grow and produce a harvest beyond what? What's, that, what's it say in the, ampl- in the Message Bible? Beyond what? Anybody remember? Beyond our wildest dreams. The, 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 the King James says some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. That it's going to produce a harvest of 160, 30. A hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold. Now, that's quite an increase. How do we make things grow? Lots of fertilizer. The soil changes. Paul says, uh, in, 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 uh, I forgot where I got this at. Paul says, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Paul is declaring that a certain kind of grace will set us free from sin, power over our daily lives, and give us victory. So we have this victory that's in our life. Why? Through the working of the word of God in our lives. So what Jesus is telling us is in this parable that God in you, God in us, is the seed. God in us, the word sown in our heart. So whether we have addictions or whether we have problems or whether we have difficulties and you can't overcome them, that's fine. Because Jesus in you will overcome them. Jesus in you will overcome them. Jesus in me will overcome the difficulties. Say that. Jesus in me will overcome. Say it again. Jesus in me will overcome. Again, Jesus in me will overcome. What is the seed in my life? It's not just positive thinking. It's the word of God. The word of God in me will change my life. Now, Matthew 13, 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Right now in our lives, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given unto you. Because it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. He is the strength of my life. He is the seed of my life. He is the hope of my life. How many here can raise themselves from the dead? (laughs) We can't do it. But if the spirit of Christ that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. And that he is the first fruits of them that slept, meaning that he is the first fruits of them that have died and have come back to life by the spirit of God. And that spirit is in us. That spirit is in us. That's the seed that is in us. <coughs> Go on. Verse 12. Look at this. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. 
To those who have grace in their lives, God will build on that grace. The foundation that God builds on is the foundation that he creates. The foundation that he creates in us is the foundation of hope. We of all people are never without hope. Forgiveness. We are, our life is based upon being forgiven, so therefore we forgive. Our hope is not that which a wishful thinking. It is a certainty that we have that God will do. It's just like um, Jesus Christ is coming back. That's the blessed hope. Now, we haven't arrived at it. It's not a wishful thinking that Jesus will come back someday. The Bible says he will come back. Now, if you go back in the Old Testament, and it says a Messiah will be born at the appointed time, and it talks about how they'll be born in Bethlehem, how that a virgin will conceive, and that was a hope, you know, 3,000 years ago, but for 2,000 years ago, you know, we just celebrated Christmas and the, the coming of Jesus Christ, the birth of Christ. And that 3,000 years ago, that was a hope that they had. Well, we look back on that and we know that it is a historical fact. Okay. What happens when you do not plant seed from what you have? Do you know that in Africa and some of the starving, you know, in some of the very poor countries... Some people had the idea, well, what they need is seed. So they sent them over these seeds, and the seeds were, you know, if you've ever been around some, you know, corn or some of that, some of the seeds are treated, pre-treated with chemicals so that the weeds and stuff will not affect them, attack them, and so on. And these people were eating it, and it was killing them. They were eating their seed. And they were dying because they ate their seed. Here's an interesting thing, and I, I never saw this before. Matthew 13, 23. Do you have those? Matthew 13, 23, Mark 4, 20, and Luke 8, 15. They're the same verse. This, is the, this, parable, is, this parable, this story, is told three times in each of the Gospels. But verse 23 in Matthew 20, uh, 13 says, The seed cast on the good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news. What did this person do? He received it. Okay? Mark 4.20. But the seed planted on the good earth represents those who hear the word and embrace it. What is it here? It is embraced. It's, what is it here? It's embraced. It is understood. And the third one here is that, but the seed in the good earth, those who are uh, the, the good hearts, who sees the word, hold on no matter what. Sticking with it until the harvest. Persevere. We find that in these three, thing, in these three parables, it's told to receive, to receive it, put it in your hand, the second one is to embrace it, and the third one is to persevere. That no matter what, you keep going on. That when you plant, did you ever have a child who planted a seed, and the next day they look at it and say, it's not growing yet, and they dig it up and look at it and say, it's not growing yet, and they put it back in. <laughs> embrace means we know that this is true, but we just have to persevere and wait. 
Then the, and then whenever we see how this is put into practice, is Malachi 3.10, the tithes and the offering. And Malachi 3.10 says that we are to give one-tenth into the storehouse. Now, I'm going to put ten circles here. And these are ten pennies. Okay? And the Bible says in Malachi, in Matthew, that Malachi, the tithe and the offering, that's how. He said, you've robbed God. And he said, well, how did we do that? He said, by tithes and offering. You are under a curse and the whole lot of you because you have robbed me. Bring your full tithe into the temple treasure so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me and see if I do not open, the, open to you the heavens itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. There's that word again. Your wildest dreams. God is saying, bring one penny out of ten into the storehouse and prove me. Prove me. Prove me. Did you ever have, what was that, you gave me that movie, uh, what, Second Hand Lion? Second Hand Lion was this movie, and these guys are planting seeds, and they have these little packets at the end of the row, and they're supposed to be green beans and peas and onions and everything, and they're going through and harvesting, and the kid looks around, and he says, you know what, it all looks like corn. <laughs> he gave the guy that sold them seed, put corn in each of the different in each of the different packets, and they all planted to say it was all corn. And, you know, it wasn't green beans, you know. Whenever we plant something, we prove what the seed is. When we plant something, we prove what the seed is by receiving it, embracing it, and putting it in the ground and persevering. We prove the seed. And what, what God is telling us in our giving is that as we give our tithes and offerings, he promised that he would bless us. Just as he promised he would bless to forgive us as we receive the word, he promised to bless us financially. He promised to bless us in some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. That that is the return on the one-tenth. One penny out of ten. out of $100, $1,000 out of $10,000, $10,000 out of $100,000. That one-tenth belongs to God, and that's the seed that we sow in the ground that will make a difference in our lives, (coughs) in our finances, and how we live our life. And I'm not saying this so that you get money. I'm telling you this so that you who are giving are to be expecting God's blessing upon your life. As we give, God promises to give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So it's not just money we're talking about. We're talking about love. We're talking about forgiveness. That God has to be in our hearts and our lives to produce the fruit of the harvest. If, if we give out of want and out of necessity, it says it doesn't work. If we give out of the illusion... The illusion uh, that, wow, if I do what the preacher just said, I'm going to be filthy rich. That's an illusion. That's the weeds. It's going to get choked out. But if we give because of the good ground, God has promised that he would pour out blessings upon our lives. And you see, 
What happens to people who eat their seed? Things have a way of disappearing. But God has a way of bringing things back into the harvest. God has a way of opening up the storehouses and opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings upon our life. God has a way of making his forgiveness work in our lives, making us different people from the inside out. Isn't that something? You know how it works. Ready heart for this. You have a ready heart for this. You have insight. You have God-blessed eyes and ears. If God doesn't make this real to your heart, don't do it. If God doesn't make it real to your heart, that if you confess your sins, that he will forgive you. You see, we're just kind of on the road. (laughs) The seed falls on the road, and it kind of goes away. But you know what? The seed that we put in our lives in the good ground has a way of growing and nurturing and bringing us to a place where God does a work in us. And all that is placed in this is part of the whole process. It's just not just one thing, one aspect of our life. It's every aspect of our life. And what's going to happen with what you put in here? God is going to bring a return of 160 or 30 fold. That's his promise. And that's his word for your heart and life. Whether it's from forgiveness, whether it's from victory, whether it's from overcoming difficulties in your life, or whether it's financially. God has a way of sowing seed into our lives that will make a difference now and for eternity.